we're joined. Uh, this is a sort of special in real life episode. We're we're in beautiful Skid Row, Los Angeles, California. I'm at uh, the artist Johnny Negron's studio. We have two separate computers going at once. Uh, he's in the other room because I, I didn't have uh, I didn't have headphone I didn't have an extra headphone output. So we have like all of the ambiance from outside. It's like a John Carpenter movie. It's just, oh my god! Yeah, it's just it, I mean it's wild out there. You have like flower shops and people screaming on crystal meth. It's it's beautiful. It's this is a, a beautiful way to. I would say usher myself out of town, but yeah, we today we're joined uh, in a very special studio visit with uh, with a with a really special artist who who makes some great uh, great music too. So basically, we're gonna do is like I'm gonna ask him some questions. This is kind of like a mellow one because I'm really burned out. And Sam Sam's here too, so we're all. Hey, we're what's here. up? Yeah, Johnny. Uh, yeah, how's it going, man? Hey. It's good. going great. It's good to be here. And um, yeah, we're neighboring Skid Row. We're actually in the Flower District, which is a subdivision of the Fashion District. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. So um, I'm a really big <laughs> fan of, of his work. And we're also going to do a live video stream of a boxing match that we pull out of a hat on YouTube. So this is kind of this is a kind of like experiment in in casting, I would say. And I think that, you know, we try to keep things meta and open and and experiment around and try some new things out. So like hopefully people can just sort of relax. This is kind of like a laid back Rogan atmosphere or whatever. Um, you know, we're we're we've got like grinding weed right now. There's mm -hmm. definitely some weed smoking, which is really nice. It's, it's very uh, aromatic. To sort of talk about Johnny's art, it just oozes eroticism and psychosexuality and jouissance. And it has this, it's kind of, to me, the, when I first saw it, I saw like a, a really big uh, Robert Crumb influence. So Johnny is a really interesting guy, and he was interviewed by Asher of, of Sex Magazine, too. It's been really cool, like, getting to know Johnny because his stuff is, like, so great, and it's so hard to, to pin down. And he had this really, he has this one really cool one with a guy uh, rolling, he's like a tumbling. The curling man? The curling oh, man? Oh, the curling man is great. Yeah, that's so good. But if you wanted to talk at all, uh, Johnny, are you there? I'm here. Well, the curling man, is that the image of a man uh, where there are like leaves on the, the outside of the window? Uh, no, that that's the not the one. Of? That's not the one I was immediately thinking of. I thought Barrett was mentioning the curling man. I, I feel Can like you describe it a bit more the, with the canopy. Well, there's the one. Yeah, that's yes. we are thinking about the same steroids. one. The title of that. There's, yeah, the title okay, of that yeah. piece is Injection Site, and yeah, it's about this really muscular man who's lifting these huge weights, and and uh, he's obviously doing steroids, but he's he's um, but he's he has a tear rolling down his cheek. Yeah, yeah, I I love that. Um, it, it it reminds me of the Smashing Machine. It's a it's beautiful. The Smashing Machine. It's a he's a sure fighter. He's an early MMA fighter. 
um, uh, oh, okay. kind of in the in the early ages in the the kind of the freak show era and he was known for because he was okay. a highly skilled wrestler for pinning his opponents on the ground and kneeing them in the head his name was mark kerr but he looks just like that guy and there was a documentary he just made like about that guy. Him. wow yeah and 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 he just does a lot of steroids in the documentary and weeps a lot and and i don't know i i find it a very soulful piece he weeps in the documentary oh yeah oh yeah wow i have to see that it's a it's a great well yeah that's interesting i think i think that's yeah oh wow but anyway sorry sorry okay well um no it's all good um I think yeah, like that image itself is uh, is a portrait of of someone like that for me, like this kind of masculine archetype that is, you know, so obsessed with their their power, their force, but they're they're sort of like emotionally uh, there's this, you know, like the emotions inside are. I can't find the the word, but like their emotions are, you know, like there's there's a depth to their their emotions that they're just that they're unable, I think, to uh, convey right through this it, kind of tough yeah. exterior that they're that they're mastering right through their body. Yeah, through their physique. I think I I definitely see this archetype played out, especially on the internet. You see these kind of like really buff roided out people and they're kind of like archetype right i mean well as uh, i yeah yeah like with the whole like, <clears throat> aestheticism you know what i've been watching a lot of recently is uh do you know ziz the 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 bodybuilder ziz who died at, at 22 he's kind of become a meme because he's like I guess you would say like a Jersey Shore Australian guy, and he goes, "Bro, you." Oh Myron. yeah. Like the Myron Ziz, guy. Ziz, okay, I, like, I'm Ziz, not oh, familiar. Oh, dude, look at just type in Z Y Z Z. Look at this guy; it's fucking amazing. But he, um, he was like this skinny nerd who established this like crazy cult following because he had all these like catchphrases, and he would dance to really super shitty trance music all the time and uh he was an atheist he wrote but he wore a rosary and he would always be like he knew he was playing a character though like that's the crazy thing about it but he had a congenial heart defect and he died at only 22. these videos are like it's so to me it, it kind of brings that up but but the thing i think about a lot of is like the jouissance element the tear and the muscles and the, the kind of like limit experience of people who are, there's this one where it's like a, a like I feel like a lot of your, your art has people engaging in these acts of um, ecstatic rapture and it blurs a lot of the lines between pleasure and pain. And you know, you have these like- I have an so idea. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, please continue. But um, I, I can send you some of my recent paintings i should have done that sooner but i could send you some recent paintings and we can uh we can riff off those unless you have uh a few selected already well i, I have a couple and one of okay. them well, one of them was in jackson's site for me and that to me i think uh that cool. kind of speaks true because there's like i i think 
in our current climate, there's a lot of, I feel like a lot of men feel very, very alienated. And I think that there's a, there's an absolutely. There's I mean, a, I think that's what the piece is about. Yeah. There, I, I think that's specifically like what the, the idea behind that piece was of yeah. this kind of like m male alienation. Um, but also like alienated from themselves, you know, like I think that, that men are programmed to be alienated from their own emotions, which is I think, the tragedy. No, I, yeah, I think, I think in modern <clears throat> times that is especially true. And I think that the id, um, and you see this in like a lot of like classic ultra-masculine heroic archetypes, there's a very feminine quality that has become sort of muted. And I think that that experience yeah. gets, gets muted because of sort of like a false masculine archetype that's aesthetic, that doesn't actually have anything to do with courage and chivalry and being a man. And then you have the other side of it as well, which is basically, you know, the kind of like weak, neutered, soy eating person who's like very, in they're like very enraged. The soy boy? Yeah, soy boy, exactly. Like they're very enraged with, within themselves, which is why I find- So you're right, you're saying they, they both present a, a polarity. They present a polarity, but it's a polarity of the same issue. And I think that the, femi the, right. like the feminine doesn't get a chance to exist within either of the, within that sort of really binary spectrum as where it's like if you look at like the old times medieval lays you had knights reciting poetry and they all knew it by heart and you you know there was like this there was like a true um, appreciation for beauty that I think is really lost in the the kind of like soy boy uh, looks maxing like roid taking bro not to talk shit because i love mma we're gonna talk about boxing <laughs> watch oh no but but that, that, that's a that's a really important distinction that you're making though like i don't know between like the athlete and the fighter and like exactly the, it's the, the athlete, bodybuilder it's who the does it athlete. for aesthetics yeah it's yeah the like athlete for, versus the fighter like my coach would always make fun of anybody like the, the, the funnest thing to do was whenever a bodybuilder walked into the gym, you know, and wanted to spar, like, you knew that was going to be an easy day because like those guys aren't athletes anyway, but yeah. No, no, you're, you're a hundred percent right. And I remember, uh, there's this Cuban backyard brawler who goes, went by white boy. And I used to watch those like Kimbo Slice oh, yeah. videos and you see this like jacked not up, familiar Vin, with, I'm this, not familiar like, with jacked that. up Vin Diesel looking dude. And this guy's like, he just looks like a doughboy. And there's this jacked Vin Diesel looking guy who gets in with him and he just gets rocked so bad, like instantly. It just lights out, fucked his whole world up. But looking at the two of them, in my mind, I was like, well, this guy is gonna win because he's clearly more limber. And but no, like, and it's kind of reminds me a little bit of Yukio Mishima or something like that, where it's like you have like Saint Sebastian and the, you know, the sort of like extravagant eroticism. And he was gay and he was like jerking off to images of Saint Sebastian and trying to make his life into a work of art. And instead of taking this like voyeuristic role, and I think there's a real difference between aesthetics and then using those aesthetics to be put into action. And yeah, that's interesting to yeah. bring up uh, Yukio Mishima. Um, sorry to cut you off. 
But uh, yeah, he's someone I I've always admired figures like this or been fascinated by figures like this who just were so prolific, but also very you know almost like Renaissance men, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't think of a like mm-hmm. they just they just did so many different things, and he obviously was, uh, you know, like he pursued these masculine things, but was you know he was gay, he was he was a writer right he he pursued mm-hmm. the arts but I, to me these people pursued life and that's mm-hmm. something that I, mm-hmm. I admire a lot um and just to speak on these points you know just of masculinity and and you know to circle back to the paintings you know like early i started with uh depicting a lot of femininity and what i'd like to see think of as hyper femininity and i think recently i've been exploring more of these images of hyper masculinity and just of masculinity in general and so it's been exciting to you know just to kind of go into these these different worlds that especially your art there's a very sort of like transcendental quality to it and you see ghosts and graveyards and sort of like there are some that are like these translucent figures. Ogun from 2018. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, I say Ogun. I can speak to that for sure. Yeah, these kind of uh, ripped, translucent yes, figures. Yes, absolutely. Which I think is really, really yeah. beautiful. And like your your work, the female, the feminine energy is almost like an erotic, sensualized crumb. And the masculinity is, it, there's like this definite, like ethereal sort of like a kind of vibe to it. And right. Yeah. So, I guess. yeah, I, I, what I see them as like accentuations, exaggerations of these archetypes of like the, the masculine or the feminine. Um, but the, that piece Ogun is, uh, it's the name of an Orisha. And um, what inspired that piece actually was one night I was visiting LA. I still had, hadn't lived here yet. I was staying with a friend. And um, I guess I had this sort of sleep paralysis where I thought wow. since I was staying with, been, I think it was the first night I was here. And mm-hmm. um, my friend who I was staying with, I thought he was like messing with me while I was sleeping on his air mattress. And I was like, Hey, leave me alone. Leave me alone. So I, I saw a figure like next to me while I was trying to sleep. And then I, when I opened my eyes, I realized it was just this kind of translucent figure. And so at first I was very frightened. Um, and I realized, you know, this must be some kind of uh, sleep paralysis. Um, and it was this figure that looked sort of like uh, uh like an indigenous, you know, like a tribal warrior of some kind. Um, a few weeks later, I had my cards read by a friend and I didn't tell her this story at all, but she told me that I have this sort of guardian that is, that's with me that's very powerful and intense. And she described this figure and it was very similar to what I saw, like when I was under this kind of like sleep paralysis. 
So that's how, that's what inspired that piece. Wow. Yeah, I've, I've had wow. friends recount um, moments of, of sleep paralysis to me, and I've never, I've never encountered anything like that, but it's... It's awful. Yeah. I've never, that has never happened to me, to be clear. That's never happened to me before. Yeah. Um, it was pretty intense. And, you know, it's, it's like, it, it feels like a, a waking nightmare almost. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's very, this image that I saw was very vague, but at the time it's, it seemed so distinct also, you know, like this presence was there and um, it kind of sort of had that like matrix green kind of glow to it. And that's something that I think, you know, if you see, my recent work, these kind of uh, apparition-like figures that are looming in some of the pieces. Um. I, yeah, I think of, a, I'm also um, referencing Small Map of Heaven, which is a, a kimono, like the, the specter of a kimono. And the, to me, that there, even there's no figure. Oh, I'd love to talk more about that. Yeah, because there's no figure inside of it, but it just oozes this kind of, yeah. this kind of eroticism. Indeed. And so, yeah, if you if you want to speak to that particular work. Oh, please. I'd love to. I'd love to. So a few things, actually, like I love using song titles as titles for pieces or for for the show. Like Small Map of Heaven is the name of a song by Kip Hanrahan. Are you familiar with Kip Hanrahan? Oh, Kip Hanrahan? I'm, no, I'm not. Okay, Kip Hanrahan, um, and it's with this. The singer on the track is Jack Blue.